Tactical sports take. Inbound. Who the fuck is that guy? Beat him off. Stomp on his head as he's unconscious. Five-tool commentator. <laughs> he's the Willie Mays of sports <laughs> broadcasting. It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Owen Ely Show. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome to the show, everyone. We've got a great one for you today here on this Wednesday, May 11th. As you look to recap, UFC 274 Oliveira versus Gaethje, which took place at the Footprint Center in Phoenix, Arizona. And what a fun night of fights this was. Um, obviously, it's always great when we get to uh, pay-per-views. Uh, you know, it seems like these pay-per-views that the UFC has been putting on uh, just kind of keep uh, increasing uh, the ante. And, uh, you know, we get some, uh, some stinkers when it comes to fight night. So you always got to appreciate uh, a good pay-per-view. And this one did not disappoint. Uh, obviously no reason to, to bury the lead or anything. Don't have a whole lot of housekeeping to get to other than check out the website and, and follow the Twitter account. Um, but yeah, what, what, a, what a fun main event. What a fun uh, main event even before it started. Even before it started. You know, it, it's, that, it's got that train wreck aspect to it, but not really in a negative way. Just kind of a fun train wreck um you know it, it's it's like seeing a gruesome car crash on the side of the road you know everybody hates it and it's a bad thing obviously but you know people stop and stare people slow down and uh and watch it you know you can't take your eyes off of it and you know it was it was a very interesting uh friday with the weigh-ins and Oliveira missing weight by half a pound, but did he miss weight because there might have been some shenanigans with the scales? And uh, we we know that um, you know oftentimes when when you're on the scale, they just have you stand on the scale. Hey, you're somewhat near the weight. We're not gonna let that. We're not gonna let that top thing on the scale uh, balance out. You're you're close enough. You're good enough. Uh, you know that's the reason why they use those old school scales and not uh, not a digital one you know because you can you can fudge the numbers a little bit but uh you know they got a stickler uh i I, i'm very curious to know and we'll never know it's it's something that you can't really quantify but i wonder how many fighters don't actually make weight because there are definitely a lot of commissions and a lot of times where you will show up to that scale and it's just close enough it's just close enough we want the fight to go on we don't really care uh we're we're not going to be a stickler but that was not the case. Not the case at 274. So rather, rather interesting. You know, it, it was kind of reminiscent of um, Romero and Rockhold and, and Figueredo versus Benavidez 1, where, hey, somebody missed weight. Only one fighter's eligible to, uh, to win the belt, and that fighter did not win. So uh, we have a vacant UFC lightweight strap. Um, 
and that's uh I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think, you know, people making a, a big deal about it. I say this all the time, but there's really never a bad result for the UFC. As long as people tune in, it doesn't matter if it's good or bad. You know, as long as people are tuning in, as long as people are talking about it, there's really not a bad outcome for for the UFC. And, you know, everybody was all doom and gloom about Charles Oliveira. Obviously, uh, if you're tuning into this, you've probably heard that he won the fight. Uh, defeats Justin Gaethje uh, via rear naked choke in round one. Um, everybody was making such a big deal about it, uh, you know, just doom and gloom on Friday. Oh my God, this is terrible, and it's not good. I'm not, I'm not saying it's an awesome thing, but it's just so crazy because Charles Oliveira goes out there, gets dropped a couple of times in round one, clips Gaethje a few cha- a few times, and and eventually chokes him out, and it's like. Ah, people have kind of forgotten. Like, obviously, they, they maybe that's not the right way of saying it. They didn't forget, but now everybody's super positive on Gaethje, or uh, Oliveira, because, listen, you know, he, he's still the champ. It doesn't matter if if he got stripped of the belt. He's still the champ. We all know he's the champ. Uh, he, he's the best lightweight on the planet, and he went out there and had another very, very fun fight. I mean, that's the one thing, win, lose, or draw. Charles Oliveira is in fun fights. And he's been doing a lot more winning than he has been losing the last uh, couple of years. So, you know, he's still the he's still the champ. I mean, it, it's kind of like the uh, John Jones Daniel Cormier situation when Jones got stripped of the belt. You know, you feel bad for a guy like Cormier because you're just playing the cards that are dealt to you. You're just you know you're just surfing the waves as they come. You can't control what you can't control if you're Daniel Cormier, but you know, when when the champion gets stripped of the belt, or the, or the champion doesn't lose the belt in the octagon, it's really hard to say that you're the rightful champ. I mean, you're you're the champ on paper, but that's why people called him a, a, a paper champ, and that's you know unfair to DC. But you can see where people are coming from because, well, how can you say, how can you say John's not the the champ? We know he's the best. He never lost. So you know, it's it's kind of that same principle with uh, Oliveira like well you can say he's not the champ but he's still the champ in my book he's still the champ in everybody else's book I don't think anybody believes that it might you know on a technicality he's not the champ but you know he's still the champ so you know I don't think it's that big of a deal I mean obviously he's had a history of missing weight but that was at 145 I don't think he's ever missed a weight at 155 this is the first time Obviously, you can't do that. That's unacceptable if you're the champion of the division. You know, I'm not trying to absolve him of, of responsibility, although it definitely sounds like I'm making excuses for him. But, I mean, dude, we know that commissions fudge the uh, the, the numbers. We know that they're not sticklers on, on the scale. Who knows how many champions actually missed weight if you, if you read that scale correctly or if you digitally had an accurate digital scale? Probably a bunch. Probably a bunch. So, you know, not the end, not the end of the world. Amazing performance uh, by Charles. And uh, yeah, I think it's going to be good for his career. I think it uh, uh, brings more attention. I mean, you know, even, even leading up to, um, uh, you know, like the Poirier fight and things like that. Like, Charles is not that big of a star. And, you know, if you don't speak English, you're going to have a real tough time Um being a, a star in in markets that matter when it comes to pay-per-views, which is North America, 
uh, well, specifically U.S. and Canada, but we'll, we'll just say North America. You know, like like Jose Aldo is probably the closest thing. Excuse me, it's probably the closest thing to a star who doesn't really speak English. Like obviously he's massive. Like and obviously Charles is massive in Brazil, but Brazil doesn't buy pay-per-views in any substantial numbers. You know what I mean? That's why same with like Europe. Europe doesn't buy pay-per-views in any substantial numbers. That's why the UFC stopped. You know that uh, that push they had for a while uh, in in Europe. I mean the the only thing that matters is the American market, practically speaking, when it comes to dollars and cents. And if you don't speak English, I mean it's it's really hard, man. Like I, Anderson was a star, but it's like how much how much bigger of a star could he be if he spoke English? I guess we'll never know because it's just hypotheticals, but probably a lot bigger. Probably a lot bigger. So, you know, having having stuff like this, having, uh, you know, octagon-related uh, controversies, I guess, for a lack of a better term, not, not a bad thing for Oliveira. Not a bad thing. Probably will earn him uh, some more money in the future. Maybe not on his next fight because we'll see how cool the UFC is, you know, they because, you know, they could deny him pay-per-view points and stuff like that because technically he's not the champ. Uh, but who knows? Maybe they'll, maybe they'll take care of him. But, um, yeah, it was a cracking time in the lightweight division. We'll skip the co-main for now because I want to get to the Chandler and Ferguson fight because that kind of directly ties in to uh, you know the, the 155 talking points that we're going through right now. Uh, obviously, Michael Chandler with a knockout of the year contender against Tony Ferguson, a front kick to the face very early in round number two after kind of getting worked over on round one. I mean, it, went, you know, it wasn't a drubbing, but, you know, Ferguson was looking sharp with his strikes. You know, he was stinging him. He was stinging him, maybe even tagging him a couple of times, but, uh, you know, Chandler's got a good chin. Maybe he was, you know, downplaying the, the shots, but, you know, definitely kind of cracked him a couple of times. And, uh, yeah, Michael Chandler, another Another exciting Michael Chandler fight, as if you can expect anything else from uh, Iron Mike, uh, Mizzou's own. I mean, think about the, what is it, four fights he's had in the UFC now? All of, all of them are extremely noteworthy. Like, nobody, nobody's going to forget his knockout of Dan Hooker. Nobody's going to forget Oliveira flipping the script on him or, or that war with Gaethje or now this knockout with Ferguson. I mean, you know... Win, win, or, win or lose, it's it's something significant with uh, Chandler and and you know an A plus promo uh, at the uh, at the end of the fight. I love it, and I'm sure Uncle Chael was smiling somewhere after that promo because that was a thing of beauty. You have an A plus knockout, maybe not A plus performance because you you got beaten round one, but you know A plus knockout, A plus call out, and I love it because. It's the rare triple callout. I love it. And I'm generally against that because I think you should have a specific thing in mind, but damn, did he play it so well. He called out Charles Oliveira, called out Justin Gaethje, and called out Conor McGregor at the same time, and it didn't feel forced or like he was just throwing you know, shit against the wall and hoping it, it sticks. Obviously, the call-out of Charles or Justin is, I guess, more accurately the call-out of whoever the champ is. So, re- I guess, really, it's two call-outs. It's, it's McGregor and whoever won the, the lightweight belt, or, well, you know, whoever's going to fight for the lightweight belt next. But I, I loved it. I loved it. Uh, just real quick on Tony Ferguson, very unfortunate for, for Tony, kind of, uh, you know, 
well, I don't want to say fall from grace, because I think people still think very highly of Tony Ferguson, and rightfully so, but just maybe a fall from from relevance uh, is is more accurate. Although he's, you know, fighting in a high-profile fight on a, on a pay-per-view against a guy who fought for the belt not that long ago. But, you know, you got, you got to feel bad for Tony, because... Um, that fight with Justin Gaethje was not competitive at all. Gaethje beat him from pillar to post. Uh, you know, Ferguson had a couple of big shots in that fight, but really that fight wasn't that competitive, certainly in the, in the later rounds. The, the Oliveira fight, he got beat from pillar to post, uh, on the feet, on the ground, everywhere. Same with Dariush. So you look at his, past, his three prior performances, you know, it was basically, what is that, 15, 30... It was basically an hour. It was basically 55 minutes of him just getting the shit kicked out of him, you know. And obviously that's that's not good. So when he comes out here and, you know, wins the first round, you're like, oh, okay. All right. Hey, you know, I don't think anybody's denying that he lost to three really great fighters. I mean, holy shit. And even Chandler, like, okay, he's on a four-fight losing streak right now. But, you know... Keiichi's top two, Oliveira's the the champ, Dariush's top three, Chandler's top five. It's like, yeah, you know, those are really good fighters, man. But you know, it's gonna happen when you're at the top of of, of a division. But you know, just just uh, un, unfortunate. Obviously, I was rooting for Michael Chandler, so I was very happy with the performance. But you gotta feel for a guy like Tony, a guy who never fought for the undisputed belt, just kind of took whatever the UFC gave him. Uh, was a company guy, which came back to kind of bite him in, in the ass, unfortunately. Um, you, you know, it's, it's a tough game. It's a delicate it's a, it's a delicate game trying to balance being a company man and being in the good graces of the UFC and kind of looking out for numero uno and, you know, not taking fights you don't need to take because we've seen it work out both, both ways, you know? Like, we've seen... We've seen a fighter like Colby Covington get denied uh, an undisputed title shot for an extended period of time because he didn't play the game. Same with Leon Edwards. So sometimes, you know, it, it helps to be a company man because you can, you know, really get in the bad graces. But, you know, other times, like if you lose, you lose. Like if you if you try to be a company man and you lose, you still lost. And the UFC is not going to like look at look at Kevin Holland. Like, OK. You know, he, he tries to be a, a UFC company guy and, you know, he loses some fights, but it's like, well, we're not going to give you a higher ranked fight because you lost the fight. You still lost. So it's just, you know, it's kind of what, uh, what what Kevin Lee was talking about, where it's like, you know, look what happened to me. I, I tried to take tough fights and, and, you know, not look out for myself at times. And, you know, he's outside. He's out of the UFC. He got cut. So, um, you know, it's, it's a tricky thing. Um there's a lot of talk of retirement for Tony Ferguson and I'm going to say the same thing that I say for everybody for everybody when when the talk of retirement comes up for anybody I I personally do not care if a fighter retires or they don't refighter because or they don't retire because it's not my body I'm not the one getting punched in the head and getting brain damage and getting beat up so I really don't care Tony Ferguson could lose 15 more fights in a row and I I really wouldn't give a shit and I'm not saying that to be callous or whatever but all of that is just to say listen it's Tony's choice if he decides he's had enough then he's had enough if he hasn't then he hasn't who who is anybody to say that this guy can't continue to to fight um 
You know what I mean? Uh, like I don't say it in a, in a in a flippant way. You know, if if he, I would like to see him take some time off. I think that'd be a smart thing. But I, you know, I can't stop him. A commission could stop him. I, I assume he's suspended for quite a long time after that knockout. I, who knows? I, I'm sure it's publicly available somewhere. But if I, he's probably he's probably you know like banned or, or whatever. How they give the, you know, hey, you're we, we recommend you don't do any contact and you can't fight for I would guess like 90 days or something with with Tony that was a brutal knockout I, I assume for quite some time uh, you know the, he, he can't fight again with that commission um, but ultimately it's up to Tony but I, but you can still have your opinion and my opinion is he should retire ultimately I have no mechanism to force Tony Ferguson to retire obviously I'm not his family or close friends or a commission uh, or some sort of governing body that that has the power to do that I don't secretly work for the UFC so my opinion is he is he should retire I don't think it's smart for him to continue to fight yeah he looked competitive in the first round but it's like it, it's it's the same thing with Anderson Silva and Tyron Woodley in their kind of tailspins where it's like what I think I think if you're Tony you have to figure out Listen, what do you what do you want to do? Tony Ferguson will never fight for the title ever again. I can say that. I could put my life on that, that Tony Ferguson will never fight for the title. He's losing to top guys, okay? Now, you can look at that two ways. And this is why I say he should, he should retire. You can look at it, you can look at that and say, "Well, listen, he's losing to top guys. He still would beat a lot of guys in the UFC." And I agree. But it's it's what do you want to do do you do you want to get back to the belt which i'm saying is impossible he will never do that um or do you just want to win against guys coming off of the contender series if tony ferguson wants to win against guys coming off of the contender series and win against unranked guys or win against the number 15 guy in the division i think tony ferguson could fight for the next five years right but is, is that what you want to do? If it is, listen, I, I don't begrudge anybody. You know, people got bills to pay and, and the competitive spirit. If that's what you want to do, I, I'm not like, go fucking bananas. I don't, I don't care. That's a, that's a valid thing. That's a, va- like, look at Jim Miller. Jim Miller was like knocking on the doorstep of a, of a title fight. Uh, Jesus, like a decade ago, like Jim Miller has been in the top five of the UFC's uh, most stacked division uh, historically, but he's he's still around. He's still beating guys off the contender series. He still likes to compete. He still likes to get paid money. I don't think anybody shits on Jim Miller for doing that. That's totally a valid way of doing things. Look at Andre Arlovsky. That guy gets paid like $350,000 every fight just to beat up some guy with a uh, you know nine and seven record, you know off of, off of the regional scene, dude. Get your bread. But if you want to get back to the title, I think that's totally unrealistic, and I think you'll get hurt in the pursuit of that. Again, ultimately, it's up to him. I don't care. Get you know get your head turned into fucking pudding. I I don't care. But it's it's my opinion that it's probably a bad idea, and he probably should start looking add other options because again like it's the same with Woodley Woodley could beat a lot of people in that welterweight division he just can't beat the top guys 
So what do you want to do? Tyron Woodley would smoke like a, a Chaos William, and I'm just naming random names, nothing against any of these guys. But, you know, he would smoke a Miguel Baeza. He would smoke, uh, uh, you know, Jesus, a Mickey Gall. He, he would kill a Mickey Gall. He would send him to the grave. Um, but it's like, it, it's like playing high-level MLB baseball. And it's like, well, you can still play baseball at the end, at the end of your career in double A, but is that really what you want to do? Like, Albert, Albert Pujols could play fucking double-A baseball until he dies, until, you know, until, until the end of his life. He could be 65 years old playing double-A baseball and still doing well. But it's like, eh, when you've been in the MLB for so long, I don't know if that's exactly what you want to do. Um, and, and all this ties into, uh, the, the, and the reason why I skipped, the, well, there's a lot of reasons why I skipped the Coleman event. We'll get back to that. Um, but the, the reason I go right into the, the lightweight featured bout on the main card is, uh, you know, hey, what's next? What's next? Who's going to, what's the pairing going to be for the vacant lightweight belt? I think everybody agrees that it should be Oliveira. Um, although that's not consensus, there are some people who think, uh, and, and certainly on Friday, I mean, maybe the performance on, on Saturday changed it, but, you know, a lot of people... Some people, some people would say, you can never put Oliveira in a title fight ever again. You can't, you can't have this again. This is unacceptable. This is the first time a champion has missed weight. You can't, you cannot do that. That's a liability. Um, and, and there definitely will be a backup fighter the next time they do a lightweight title fight. I can fucking guarantee that. I promise you. I promise you there will be a backup fighter. And... How how shitty do you do you feel if you are the other lightweights on this card and you didn't make 155 on the dot? You just made 156 or 155 and a half. Like Michael Chandler and Tony Ferguson have to be just kicking themselves that they didn't make 155 on the dot because then the decision on Saturday becomes super easy. You just go, "Okay, fuck Charles, he's not the 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 champ." technically and we just do Gaethje versus Chandler or Ferguson for the undisputed belt but you know when you come in at 155 and a half or 156 can't uh can't compete for a title so um I think we all agree Oliveira's next so we figured out 50% of the pairing but it gets kind of interesting when you talk about well who should he fight because you know a lot of people say it should be Islam Makachev I totally disagree um you know, obviously he's Khabib's buddy and he's going to get a push and, and whatnot. And he's on a very impressive winning streak, but he's beat nobody. He's beat nobody. You can't get a title shot off of beating Bobby Green. A title shot off of beating Bobby Green. That can't, you, you, can't, you just can't do that. You can't do that. Uh, there's discussion of Dariush. I think, I think more people believe Islam should get a title shot over Dariush, but why? Why? They're both on impressive winning streaks. Um, Islam's is a little bit longer. His is like 10 or 11 or whatever, and Dariush's is like 7 or 8. But they've both beaten two tough guys, two tough fighters. So anybody who says Islam deserves it more, why? Islam beat Dan Hooker. Okay, that's a nice, that's a nice win. 
okay. Um, but then who else has who else has he beat? And then Dariush, well, Dariush beat Ferguson and Carlos Diego Fajeda, who I think was like number ten or eleven at the time. So it's like, well, honestly, I, I ignore everything that's not a ranked fighter. I don't give a shit. Okay, Islam has he's on an eleven fight winning winning streak. Very cool. Nine nine or ten of them were against unranked fighters. So I don't give a shit about those. I don't care. I I, I really don't. You beat. Drew Dober, congrats. That like that doesn't move the needle at all. I, I only care what you do in the rankings, and when you look at what they've done in the rankings, Dariush is probably a little bit ahead of what Makachev has done. But I love the idea that Dana White has, and that you know what he says is going to happen. Of hey, Dariush fights Makachev, winner that fights for the title. I think that's the right way to do it. That would give them. Uh, a win over a tough, highly ranked opponent, and that would catapult them into fighting for the title. Uh, I don't think McGregor's going to be ready anytime soon. He looks massive. I don't know if he can get down to 155. It's my personal belief that he's focusing on 170. Um, I, I saw Poirier was calling out for a title shot. That'll never happen. I have no interest to ever see Poirier fight for a title again. Uh, Gaethje just lost. So who does that leave? Michael Chandler. I think Michael Chandler should get the next title shot. I, I really, I really do. You know, some people might say that's Dana White privilege, but Michael Chandler moves the needle. Okay, there's many reasons. Many, every single reason points to Oliveira fighting Chandler for a second time. Okay. First of all, they already fought the first time. There's history there. It's 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 a part two. Secondly, that history, that history was very interesting because Chandler was winning that first round. He was only a couple of seconds away from finishing Oliveira and rewriting history. And, you know, he would be the, or maybe he would have lost the belt by now. But Michael Chandler very easily could have been the champ. So it was a hotly contested fight that could have gone either way. Obviously, Oliveira won, and that's why we're here. But, you know, this is all to say, hey, it was very competitive. People would, that was a fun first fight for as long as it lasted. Um, timeline matches up. They fought on the same card. They fought on the same card. So you know, I don't know when you when you book this fight. You know, August, September. You know, I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'd, I'd have to look at the pay per view schedule and figure out what makes sense. But they do have a bunch of pay per views coming up. So you know, timeline would make sense. And then the call-out would make sense. And I saw people saying that you don't, you shouldn't really make fights based on call-outs. I kind of agree, but, dude, we have to get people to buy pay-per-views. I mean, call-outs are important. He has an A-plus call-out. That's, that's something you can put in, in the promo. He's a highly ranked guy. He was, he's, you know, number five. Uh, I think he was number four coming into this fight, but now he's number five because there's no champ. So Oliveira drops down, moving everybody below him down. Um, so he's basically the highest ranked guy who's on a winning streak, albeit it's, you know, a one fight winning streak, uh, highest ranked guy who won his last fight because Poirier lost, Gaethje just lost and he had a knockout of the year over a fan favorite in Tony Ferguson. So people want to see him fight. You know, it's going to be a banger. So like, tell me a reason why Chandler shouldn't get the fight. Honestly, I, I don't think there's a compelling argument against Chandler getting the title shot. I, I, I honestly really don't don't think there's a, a an argument. How would you argue for Islam? Well, he deserves it. Well, I, you know, look at how many ranked wins he has. Get it. 
I, I'm not like, and I'm not against Islam getting a title shot at some point. I'm not like a Khabib hater or an Islam hater, but it's like, dude, just get one win, get one win in the top five, and then the title shot's yours. And that win in the top five would be Dariush. So it's like, I, it has to be Chandler. It has to be Chandler. And how fun, how fun would that be? So I, I think the, the UFC will come to their senses. And, uh, you know, it already kind of looks from, like, what they're saying. Uh, it, it would be him. Because, you know, if you if you match everything up and read between the lines, not going to be Poirier. Not going to be Poirier. He just lost. Not going to be Gaethje. He just lost. Connor's not ready. Probably going to one, 170. He, he's publicly stated that Dariush is, is going to fight or needs to fight uh, Islam. So it's like, who does that leave? Well, like, we've gone through the, you know, other top four or five options. So it's like, are they going to give a title shot to Hafiel Fazeev? Probably not. So I, I think it'll be Chandler, and I, I just can't wait. Uh, we can very briefly get to the co-main event here. Carla Esparza becoming the strawweight champion, winning via split decision. The largest distance between winning a title the first time and coming back and recapturing the title it was something crazy it's like eight years uh later she she gets back atop the throne super boring fight but a definitive carla esparza win in my mind because rose did nothing she she uh backed away she didn't strike Esparza was the one moving forward. Esparza was the one landing takedowns. Rose really did nothing. I thought it could have been four rounds to one. At worst, it's three rounds to two. But probably should have been four rounds to one. I agree with that, that one judge. Um, it's very rare we get down to octagon control, but that's this is the octagon control fucking decision. Like, those first two rounds how could you say that rose won won them she didn't do anything and again i'm not making it seem like carla esparza has colby covington levels of output but it's like when rose's output is zero all you have to do is have a have one to beat it if if rose is doing zero out of of ten all you got to do is do a one out of ten and you win the round and she slightly outstruck her in a lot of the key rounds and then she attempted takedowns there, there was i forget which round it was but there was a round where she won the round because she literally attempted a takedown like that won her the round and I, you know you see people shitting on that against esparza but it's like well okay but make the case for rose how can you rose did nothing carla tried a takedown like so who won the round well it's got to be the person who tried something right you can't give it to the person who didn't try something so it's like i agree you know this is a a shitty situation a snooze fest absolute snooze fest but it's like well you know at least carla tried carla tried and rose didn't so just based on that you gotta give it you gotta give it to carla um and i think i think it was rose making it boring i mean you know it's it's a fight so you know you got to give some blame to both fighters to some degree but I really think like 75% of this fight being boring is Rose. I mean, she's the one backing up. At least Carla's moving forward. Um, Just a puzzling strategy. Just a really puzzling game plan. Why do you have Trevor Whitman as your head coach if you're not going to have an awesome game plan? Like, who the fuck okayed that? 
uh, I, I think I think it was probably Pat Barry. But it's like Trevor Whitman's a fucking genius. I promise you that was not his game plan, or at the very least, that's not how he intended for the game plan to actually be implemented. You know what I mean? So tough night for Whitman with uh, the loss of uh, uh, Gaethje as well. But it's just, man, what are you, what are you doing? What are you doing out there? And Pat Barry sucks for a litany of reasons. You know that dude's. That dude's something that rhymes with a boomer. I'm not going to say it, but, you know, he's something that rhymes with a boomer. Um, Just a weird performance. And then acting like you won the fight in the post-fight presser. Like, how could you possibly think you won that fight? That is just so tone-deaf, so weird. I've said this for a long time, and uh, I've said this whether or not she's had a great performance or a bad performance, so I'm not piling on or anything like that. But I just... I always think it's funny when people call her Thug Rose. I've always thought that's hilarious. Like, that's... Nobody's calling her Thug Rose because she's actually a thug. She's one of the most mentally fragile, not just champions, but UFC fighters we've ever had. So I've always thought it's kind of a mean nickname because very clearly she's not a thug. Like, very... Like, it, it it would be like naming... Brandon Moreno, fucking big and strong, big and strong Brandon Moreno. If that was his nickname, it's like that's kind of a mean nickname because he's very clearly not big and he's very clearly not strong. He's a flyweight, so it's like that's kind of a it's kind of a mean nickname to give to somebody who's clearly not a thug. Like it, it, it would be like calling Michael Bisping like old lefty. Like what's up, old lefty? Like that's not a. It's not a nickname of endearment. Like, that's kind of mean. So, very clearly not a thug. She needs to have her nickname revoked. I mean, she, she needed to have it revoked the second she got it. It was never, never true. But especially after this one, you're getting that pass revoked. Um, yeah, just super boring. I don't even, even want to think about what's next for that belt. I'm, I'm just kind of done with 155 for now. Uh, you know, we, we, we need we need Wei Li or Ioana to kind of save save that division. Uh, we'll very quickly run through some of the results here. I don't have a whole lot to say on a lot of uh, the card. Uh, OSP, excuse me, OSP wins a split decision over Shogun Hua. Very boring. Randy Brown wins a split decision over Chaos Williams. Very much disagreed with that. Very much disagreed with that. I thought Chaos Williams was landing more strikes. I thought he was landing the bigger strikes, and he was the one moving forward. Uh, I thought Chaos Williams probably won that fight 29-28, so I think they kind of fucked up on that one. Uh, we had the uh, Brazilian legend, Francisco Trinaldo, winning a unanimous decision over Danny Roberts. Just bludgeoned him at, at points in that fight. Looked really good. I mean... He's, he's the Brazilian Tom Brady at this point. I mean, this dude's fucking 43, 44 years old, still winning fights in the UFC. Very impressive. I'm very impressed by Trinaldo, and he's been fucked over a couple of times on some decisions like that uh, robbery of the year. Uh, I forget, I believe it was 2019 against Alexander Hernandez. One of the worst decisions I've ever seen. Right up there with uh, Andre Ewell and... Uh, I want to say Jonathan Martinez had 247. Uh, Macy Chasson wins a split decision over Norma Dumont. Don't really care. We had Brandon Royval winning uh, early in round one with a guillotine choke against Matt Schnell. He looked good. He handled the pressure very well. 
That guy thrives in chaos. Has one of the best nicknames in the UFC, the Raw Dog. But you got to feel for Brandon Schnell because he's had a lot of cancellations uh, recently. Just a guy who's been trying to get into the octagon and, uh, you know, hasn't had a whole lot of success, you know, actually uh, getting fights to go through. And then obviously his mom died, so that's unfortunate. Obviously, nobody's going to gift you a win in the UFC, but, uh, you know, you got you to gotta feel for that guy because that's so much bigger than the sport. So, you know. Thoughts and prayers to match now. That fucking stinks. Uh, Blagoy Ivanov and Hagerio, Marcos Hagerio de Lima. Uh, another wacky decision. There was kind of a lot of bad decisions on this card. I thought Hagerio de Lima won that fight. I don't know how you could give that to Ivanov. I guess he clinched a lot in the fight. I guess that wins you fights. These days, we had a brutal knockout from Andre Fialo over Cameron Van Camp. Not the highest level. Uh, opponent, but I really like this Andre Fialo guy. I mean, he, he he puts on bangers. I love this guy. I don't know where this guy's been all this time. I I first heard of him when he knocked out um, James Vick at X MMA one, knocked him out pretty bad. Since then, he's gone. Uh, well, including that fight, he's six and one in his last seven, and all have been first round finishes except for the Vick fight, which was a second round finish. So, uh, you know, he got stopped. Uh, not stopped, but he got thrown back by Michelle Pajeda in his debut. But, you know, he smoked Miguel Baeza and smoked Van Camp. And this guy's very active. That was his third fight of 2022. So, you know, Jesus, this guy could have five or six fights this year. I, I love this guy. And he's calling uh, out Dana to put him on that uh, Singapore card next month. So I, I love dudes like that. Uh, Tracy Cortez winning over Melissa Gatto. Very cool. Uh, nothing significant left on the uh, on the prelims. So, you know, all in all, it was a fun, fun card. A lot better pay-per-view than, than prelims. Some, some wacky decisions going on. You always hate to see that because, you know, that fucks with the trajectory of people's careers that they, you know, put blood, sweat, and tears into. So, hate to see it, but... You know, an eventful pay-per-view. Um, you know, should be a fun summer. Got some fun uh, matchups coming up. I'm not sure what's next week. Peek ahead here at the schedule. Oh, of course, Blahovich and Rakic uh, next week. So that one should be fun. Uh, we got Holm versus Vieira on the uh, 21st. That one is going to suck. I cannot believe they made that. A main event but you know we're only uh we're exactly a month away from uh 275 to Shara and Prohaska so you know that's that's interesting I mean it's kind of interesting to see them go into the Asian market and put a pay-per-view there I don't remember the I can't remember the last time they put a pay-per-view in Asia that might be the that might be the first time at least in a very long time I can't remember so that's kind of interesting that's kind of interesting breaking into that market kind of competing with uh, one championship um so you know we'll see the ufc's had a, had a lot of success when they go international you know that's you know you just got to look at fight island and uh you know all the all the future fights and and, and pay-per-views that they're going to have in uh abu dhabi so you know, they, they generally don't swing and miss when it comes to stuff like this. So I'm kind of curious to see how that Singaporean market, uh, and I guess by proxy, you know, fucking 
the Vietnamese market, the the Thailand market. I mean, all the kind of neighboring countries. I assume that they'll travel uh, out there as well. So, kind of interesting to to see how that uh, plays out. Uh, but with that, we'll wrap it up here. So again, you can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely M N. You can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star. M-I-N, and you got to be sure to check out our website at northstarsports.media. Once again, thanks for tuning in, everybody.